We are going to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Has anybody been enjoying the Hold Nothing Back series already? We're, we're in our final week, so we're, we're done. Hold nothing back. This is the, it's your last opportunity to hold nothing back. It ends today. It's over. And uh, we've, we've actually talked about incredible things, but God has done incredible things, even this series. I wanted to share this, that since we started uh, now six weeks ago, uh, 274 people have given their lives to Christ at River Valley Church. Come on, can we celebrate? Just in the last six weeks, 274 people making a decision to follow Jesus. Uh, we've also, I want to I highlight this. Our prayer teams uh, have prayed for 740 people in the last six weeks as a post-service uh, moment. Like we, every, every week we say, hey, if you need prayer, we're going to ask that you come forward and ask for prayer. And I want to highlight, Pastor Greg's right there in our room right here at Apple Valley, our care pastor here. Uh, but there's other campuses watching right now. We wanted to highlight the 740 people that have been prayed for in the last six weeks at the end of our services. Come on, can we celebrate that? No. No doubt is God answering prayer, healing people, providing for people, doing the miraculous. And uh, the last celebration is this, that uh, as we get ready to talk on our sixth topic about generosity, uh, a lot of times at church we'll talk about kingdom builders. This is our mechanism to help fund missions around the world, missionaries and organizations all around the world. And in the last six weeks, our church has given over a half a million dollars to kingdom builders. This is not the tithe that comes in to fund what happens here. This is above and beyond kingdom builders dollars, a half a million dollars. Can we celebrate what God is doing through us that we get to participate in this? Second Corinthians chapter nine is, is really, um, it's really Paul writing this letter to the church in Corinth, but it's this, this chapter specifically is uh, kind of an offering message because he's prepared. He's saying, Hey, I'm about to be with you. Uh, but I, we, we had talked about an offering that was going to come up. I'm sending this letter to let you know that the offering's still coming up. I know that you were ready when we first talked about it, but it's coming up. And I, I just want to make sure that you're ready so that when it's time to receive the offering, that you're ready to give willing with a cheerful heart and not like, like, like make your payment. And so Paul's like trying to prep the people saying, hey, this offering, it's going to go to support the believers in Jerusalem. It's not, it, it's not just supporting the pastor, not just supporting me, Paul. Like This offering is going to the believers in Jerusalem, the persecuted church, and, and they're going to be blessed by this giving. And uh, where we pick up is right after he kind of prefaces this, like, you guys, get ready. I'm going to be with you. And, and over, over the next few moments together, I'd love to uh, dissect a little bit this offering message from Paul and what it can teach us even today. We're going to start in verse 6. Paul says, here's the point I'm trying to make. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, I love that, all sufficiency in all things at all times, you, you may abound in every good work as it's written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Enriched in every way to be generous in every way. 
which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry, ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing into many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes through the confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. I told somebody earlier that, hey, tonight we're talking about generosity. This weekend, we're talking about generosity. And the response was, I love generosity. And uh, that may not have been your response, and that's okay. But hopefully by the end of this message, there's this feeling, something stirs up within you that says, I love generosity. I love what I get to be a part of. I love that God wants to use me. That every time we think or hear about generosity, we, uh, we leap to it. We love what God's doing through generosity. If you're taking notes, the title of this message is The Open-Handed Giver the open-handed giver. And I'd love to talk through a few different things about what it looks like to live our life as an open-handed giver. I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about a way of life, a way of life. If you think finance and you're like, I'm out, see ya. I can't believe the one time I came back to church, they're talking about money. We're talking about generosity as a Christ follower, as a way of life. That when you give your life to Jesus, you give your life to Jesus. Everything less than that is easy following Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that, that these words would not be mine, but they would be yours. And uh, something would be stirred up in our hearts to live a generous life in every area of our life. Teach us how to live like you. Teach us how to live open-handed. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You know, um, maybe you know a person like this where um, you, maybe you go to a meal or you go to a coffee and uh, they're like, hey, I'm buying, right? Tonight, I'm buying. Tonight, hey, I got, I got I'm buying. Well, I've learned that there's, there's two different types of I'm buying people. You know, you might know where I'm going. <laughs> Go out to dinner. Guy says, hey, I'm buying. If you flip over the menu, that's where the deals are. So, the, so these, these are the five options that you get to choose from. Waiter comes over. Can I get you anything to drink? And uh, you start sweating bullets. Like, can I order a Diet Coke? Is that okay? Because he's buying, but I feel like he doesn't want me to spend his money. Like, you know, you know these type of people, it's like you get a little nervous. Like, you know dessert's not happening. Dessert's off the table. It's ne never going to happen. I, that's, the first, that's the first type. We know these people. You might be that person. Not after this message. There's another type of uh, I'm buying person, right? We know these people as well. I'm buying. 
order anything you want. Tonight's the night. Let's live like there's no tomorrow. I'm buying, let's do this thing. Anybody know somebody like that? Like the most generous person? Like, wow, does money grow on trees? I don't know. This guy's crazy. There's two types of I'm buying people. I'm talking about how, how can we live as open-handed givers. And, and I'm going to talk about five different points, five different points. Four of them teach us how to be open-handed. The fifth one is to prove that God is the best at this. So point number one is when we give, we need to give charitably. We need to give charitably, not cheaply. Charitably meaning over and above, beyond what the expectation is. I'm, I'm, I'm going over and above. Like when I give, I'm not giving like, what's the least amount to make sure that I'm good? We need to give charitably. This is who our God is. This is what he expects from us versus the dude that's like, hey, tonight I'm buying. You can get a salad. As Christ followers, let's give charitably. Let's give generously. That's why there's some people, when they hear about this topic, that's who they are. So they go, I love this. I'm leaning in. I'm ready to learn because they're a charitable person. He says, whoever sows sparingly, now we're breaking down his message, they will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully, they'll also reap bountifully. Luke uh, chapter 6, verses 37 and 38 say, judge not and you'll not be judged. Condemn not, and you'll not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and put into your lap. But I love this. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And I don't know if there's a person in here that wants a cheapskate type of person just measuring back to them. But if that's the way you live, close-handed, I promise you the word of God is true that that's the measure that comes back to you. But if you're a charitable person, above and beyond, generosity's my jam. I love this topic. I'm buying, let's live like there's no tomorrow. Now let's use wisdom, right? Don't gotta put everything on a credit card. But let's live charitably. And God says that the measure you use will be measured back to you. And again, I'm not just talking about finance. First of all, nobody, nobody ever encourages me. Nobody, nobody ever appreciates me. Well, how many people are you appreciating? How many people are you encouraging? The measure you use will be measured back to you. So sometimes before we start complaining, we gotta look in the mirror because the measure we use will be measured back to us. Number two, let's give out of conviction and not convenience. Paul said, Paul said, give what you've determined. So they had a previous discussion, a previous meeting, said the offering's coming up, it's coming up, and Paul's writing to them, give what you had determined. Give what you had, like you heard from the Lord. I think about um, a lot of times, like you think even, even this church in Corinth, they could have been like, well, that was, you know, I, ha I, thought, I thought I heard, was hearing from the Lord, but now it's a year later and I'm, things are looking a little bit different. I, you know, I'm not... Not so sure. I'm not so sure. There are people in Jerusalem. Is this really happening? And 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 I'm not trying to pick on them. I could look at my own life like that. That's how I feel sometimes. In the moment, I'm stirred up, and then I go, "Oh, that there was music playing behind that video." They stirred up my emotions. They got me all manipulated. They're twisting my arm. They're making this. They put kids on the video so that I'd give more money. But Paul says no. You're hearing from God, 
So give what you've determined. Give with some conviction, not just if it's convenient. I, 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 got, I got a little extra. I got, I'm, you know, I got a little. Give what you convicted. I think about this story like I grew up a skateboarder. I don't know if anybody's a uh, skater. I grew, grew up, I was not the best skater, but. I remember the first time I ever tried to drop into a half pipe, right? So it, there's a lot of people, maybe you haven't experienced this before, but you get to the top and uh, you got your skateboard over the edge, you know, you know, there's a stage right here. And you get to the top and, and you're like, okay, when I, was, when I was down there, I thought this was a good idea. <laughs> now I'm on one leg and this is not, this feels like not a good idea. But Paul's saying, do what you've determined. Go for it. Do it. And then I broke my tailbone. First time it ever happened. But I did it once. I you know, figured it out if you fall and try again. I'm going to try again. Let's go. I think, I've never been skydiving, but I think skydiving is probably the same thing. We're like, let's go skydiving. <laughs> and you get in the plane, you're like, turn the plane around. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? And I bet you a lot of people in Corinth were, were thinking, what was, I, what was I thinking? Like when Paul was here a year ago, man, he was in the room. I was, I was pumped to give. What was I thinking? And I don't, I don't know if you have an example of your life, but I'd love to say to you, I don't know, maybe you were hearing from the voice of the Lord. Maybe he was leading your life at that moment saying, I'm speaking to you. And when we're out of the moment or out of the emotion or out of the atmosphere or out of the environment, it's easy for us to just go, ah, man, I'm not so sure. I, I, I don't know. And Paul's saying, no, maybe you heard from the Lord. So number two, give with conviction, not just out of convenience. Number three, if we're going to live open-handed, we're going to be open-handed givers. Let's give with a cheerful spirit, not a critical one. And the um, Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful is not um, so much loud and like external, like shooting party cannons and, you know. But it's more, more so a spirit that you carry on the inside. And God's able to see that. Maybe not everybody else is. But God's able to see your heart. He says, I, I want a cheerful giver. Not just the, the person that's out there just high-fiving everybody, it's like, but saying, God, you've given everything to me. It's a blessing to be a part of your kingdom that you, you, that you could use me. I recognize that everything came from you in the first place. And I know this is going to meet somebody's need. I know this is going to make a difference. It's, it's not much, but it's, it's what I've got. It's what I believe you're speaking to me. And it's a joy to be able to give. Do you have a cheerful spirit when you give? Or do you have a critical spirit when you give? There's an old quote that says, one way to, uh, to be a cheerful giver is to look at the mercies that God's poured out in your life with two eyes and the troubles that you're facing with one. You want to be a cheerful giver? Open up both your eyes to everything God's ever given you, knowing that he's protected you, from more than you know. He saved you from more than you realize. You may not be where you want to be, but thank God you're not where you were. He pulled you out. Open your eyes, both eyes, to the mercies of God. And with the troubles, say, God, I'm walking through it. We sang another in the fire in our church right now tonight. 
another in the fire. He's with us even in the trouble. That's how we can have a cheerful spirit. Think of like Christmas movies, like the critical spirit person, they end up being the villain. So if you're like, man, I don't know about this cheerful stuff. Okay, Grinch. Think about, think about it. Like these are like, like well, I don't, I don't understand the big deal. I'm just, I'm gonna give him this thing. God, me and you are tight. This thing, I'll give. It's like, okay, Scrooge. Like that's, like these people became the villain. Mr. Potter, that's a deep cut, sorry. Let's give with a cheerful spirit, right? Number four, moving along. We need to remember, if we wanna be open-handed givers, we need to remember that God cares for you so that you can care for others. God cares for you so that you can care for others. And uh, I always wondered, like, God, why, why can't I just give my life to you and then you vaporize me and we get to spend eternity in heaven? Right? Like, I already made the decision. Can we just do this? And he's like, no, there's other people that need to know me. God cares for you so that you can care for others. The Bible said, what we read, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Enriched in every way to be generous in every way. And what that really means is that every single moment there's an opportunity to give, God will provide for you so that you have something that you could give. When we live our life, it's amazing to just think about it. Do you have something that you could give? I'm not talking just finances. I'm just saying like, we all have, there's something that we could give that would benefit somebody else's life. That's how God works. He says, I'm gonna enrich you in every way so that you can be generous in every way. Anytime there's an opportunity to give, you have something that you could give, even if it's a penny, even if it's a hat, a pair of gloves. You have something to give. That's, that's how good God is. John Wesley is a guy in the 18th century we look, look to it, and he's like this, this hero guy, but he, he lived this way. He, he was tirelessly teaching, preaching, writing, and, uh, and trying to expand the kingdom. And th- they use pounds where he's from, uh, but in dollars and in today's world, it, while he was still alive, he would have made $10 million. He had $10 million. But there was something that happened to him when he was younger that changed the way that he lived. He didn't just live on that. He, he went to the store and he was going to buy some pictures for his wall in his, in his room. And on the way back, after buying the pictures, he saw a, a, a widow that didn't have a coat in the cold. And he realized, I just spent the money that could have benefited her to get her a coat on pictures on my wall. And he became scared. They, they say he became scared to lay up treasures on earth in that moment. And so he lived, that, that, when he was young, he was living on 30 pounds. That, that was his income, and, and, and that's what he was living on. He eventually grew to have his income be 1,400 pounds. Guess how much he was living when he was making 1,400 pounds? 30 pounds. There are people that live this extravagantly generous life. There's a way to do it. I'm not saying everybody lived like that. And this is not, pros, or this is not prosperity gospel or pro, poverty gospel. This is just the fact that God speaks to each and every one of us and he gives you things that you can also give to participate. And are we close-handed with the things that come to us? Or are we opening up our hand? God, I gave you my whole life, so you still have my whole life. 
I'm open-handed. God cares for you so that you can care for others. And the last thing is just to remember that God is the most generous. So here's number five. God's the most generous. I want to prove to you that he's the open-handed, the best at being open-handed. There's a story in, in 2 Kings 4. It's an incredible story. I'm not going to read it. But it's this widow with two sons, and um, her husband dies, and they owe some debts. And it was customary back in the day that, that the children would then become servants of the, the, the people that they owed the debt to. And this widow goes to Elisha, the prophet, the man of God, and she says, I'm begging you. I owe a debt. My husband died, and I'm going to lose my sons. And Elisha says, what do you have? And she says, I, I've, got just a, I've got a little jar of oil. That's all I've got. And uh, Elisha says, great. Go around to all the neighbors. Collect all of their oil jars. Get, get every empty jar you can find. Bring it into your house. Shut the door with you and your sons. And pour your little jar of oil into every single empty jar. The Bible says that that from that little jar of oil, every oil jar was filled to the top and it, was, it continued to flow until they ran out of empty jars. God doesn't just like provide just like, hey, here, here's an extra meal before you die. He's like, I will be your provider above and beyond, far beyond what you could ask, think, or imagine. Watch me. He's ready to pour it out. God is this, this generous God. It's an incredible story of like, that's God's response. Like, I care for you, but I'm going to do it big. God cares for you. In 2020, God cares for you. But the oil stopped when they ran out of jars, empty jars. And I would say that sometimes the provision of God or the blessing of God is blocked, not because God's doing something, but because our hand is closed. We're not giving him an empty jar. I asked Pastor Lulu to come on up. I've got a little example here. I'd love to illustrate this. It's Candy Palooza weekend at our church. And so I asked her, do you like Skittles? All right, stay right there. Here we go. Just going to drag this over. I'd love to illustrate this whole message because you'll probably forget everything I said, but you may not forget this. So you like Skittles. Okay, open out your hand. Perfect. God's a good God. He's amazing. Cares about Pastor Lulu, right? He cares about you. And, uh, and he wants to bless you. And so here's a blessing from God, just a Skittle. Man, that's good. Taste the rainbow. What's, what's the first thing you think about like when I hand you a Skittle? Yay. I thought she was going to say, I want to eat it. Yeah. A lot of times when we get blessed from God, the first thing we want to do is eat it. And God, he, he doesn't say, I'm going to give cash to the consumer. He says, I'm going to give seed to the sower. I'm going to give seed to the sower. And so a lot of times we get the blessing from God, close your hand. We say, God gave me a Skittle. Praise the Lord. Look at his supernatural provision. It's amazing. But now I got a Skittle. It's amazing. But God, he actually had more in store for you. Like he, he really wanted to hold your hand up. Just, yeah. he, had, he had more in store for you, but your hand's your hand shut. So he's trying to, he's trying to, you caught a couple. 
It makes it difficult to catch the blessings of God when your hands shut like this. He's trying, he wants to pour out blessing. He's the, he's the owner of the cattle of a thousand hills. Like he wants, he wants to open up the floodgates. But a lot of times we live our lives with closed handed, critical, stingy spirits. But he's got more for you. He's like, I'm trying to bless you. But we're not giving him an empty jar. So open up your hand again. You'll ultimately didn't catch another one. So. so you still got that Skittle. But God's got more for you. He wants to pour it out. And when you live your life open-handed, you got any more empty jars? You got another hand. There we go. God says, hey, you thought that was cool. Because you're living your life open-handed, I've got more for you. And I want to pour out blessing in your life. I got more for you. You thought I was done. You thought that was the you thought the last one was great. The last like, no, I've got more for your life. But because you're you're letting it go through you, and you start to live your life believing like God's God can do far beyond what I'm thinking, far beyond what I'm asking. But it's because Lulu's not living for herself, she's living for other people. She's believing that God's blessing me so that I can bless others. I'm gonna live my life open-handed with my finances, with my time, with my words, with my relationships, with my home. I think about a lot of times ago, we got this house, we're gonna use it for the Lord. But tonight it'd be nice to just watch some shows with just us. Right? And we get into this routine or this, this trap of thinking like, well, no, it's the Lord's. But like, okay, so have some people over. Well, it's, you know, I got to cl- clean the house then. Right? A lot of times you get caught up in it like, you know, I'm buying this truck. It's, it's the Lord's. You know, who have you borrowed that truck to? You know what I'm saying? A lot of times you live our life. And Lulu is saying, I'm going to live open-handed. I'm going to give you empty jar after empty jar after empty jar, and God's got more in store for you. Come on, give it up for Pastor Lulu. You go to your seat. She's going to have to figure out what she's got to do with, uh, with those Skittles. If it wasn't COVID, you could just pass them around. I'd love for us to close our eyes and bow our heads. Think about Jesus. Jesus, the most generous, the most charitable. He wasn't living his life cheap. He gave his life for you. The most charitable. We're supposed to live like Jesus. He laid down his life. Not just the most charitable, but Jesus lived out of conviction. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane before going to the cross. Not my will, but yours be done, Lord. Yours be done. Yours be done. Live with some conviction. Give what you've decided in your heart. Jesus gave cheerfully, not critically. Think about him. He hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That may not be high-fiving and celebration cheerful, but you better believe that's a cheerful spirit to forgive while you're hanging on a cross. To look over at a thief next to him and say, today we'll be in paradise together. Jesus cares for you so that you can care for others. 1 John 3, 16 through 18. By this we know love. That Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, closes his fist against him. 
How does, God, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let's not just be all talk. Let's live our lives open-handed with action. Jesus, I thank you for speaking to our hearts today. Help us to live open-handed. Help us to live different. Every good gift comes from the Father of the heavenly lights. You don't change like shifting shadows. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you for that. We trust that if you've done it before in our lives, a blessing, you'll do it again. That's why we keep our hand open. That's why we give every chance we can because, Lord, we know that you are the same. You're never changing. Speak to our hearts today about specific things that we can change. Speak to our hearts today of areas we've been withholding, thinking it's ours. Lord, help us to be the open-handed giver in Jesus' name.